I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ginny Wood disappeared on Saturday, March 10th, 2007. When a person disappears without a trace, often the most critical information is hidden in their actions and words from the days before they vanished. Ginny Wood's last known whereabouts may hold the clues to what happened to her. A bright and ambitious young woman vanishes with two of her friends during a spring break road trip. Once you cross into Mexico, you've crossed into the unknown. The search for Ginny and her friends leaves investigators confounded. These are people who do not want to be found. While three families struggle to deal with an uncertain future. This is my youngest child. She's my baby. I have to find her. Family get-togethers are almost unbearable because somebody's missing. Nineteen-year-old Ginny Wood has been thriving in her first year of college at Appalachian State University in North Carolina. As in high school, her grades earn her special recognition. She did well academically. She, um, she made the dean's list the first semester there. And when that spring break came, she was still doing very well in her classes. Ginny's mother, Tammy, says that she's always been a strong student. She didn't have to work hard at it. It just came very easy to her. College social life is more of a challenge for Ginny, at least at first. The first three, four months up there, she was miserable. She said, Mom, I don't have any friends. Uh, and it was hard for her to make friends. She was a shy person. She wasn't just going to go up and say, hello, hi, I'm, I'm Jenny. But by semester's end, Ginny's made some new friends and looks forward to taking the next step to independence by moving off campus in the fall. We found her an apartment to live in, paid the deposit, and found her a parking place. We did all that stuff for her to go back as her sophomore year. And I, I thought she was very excited about it. Ginny makes the six-hour drive home to Chacoinity, North Carolina, whenever she can to visit family and friends, especially her classmate, Kelly Gaskins. Ginny and Kelly have been best friends since starting high school. 
Jenny was over at the house a lot. Kelly was over at her house a lot. And they just typical teenage girls. They were, you know, rowdy. <laughs> they got along real well. They were like sisters. They were really close. They just were inseparable. Jenny, I mean, she wasn't very adventurous. And I think Kelly would get her to do things um, that she wouldn't have normally done. Among many other things, the girls share a passion for photography. They would go and Kelly would pose and I've got pictures of her in the swamp by a big cypress, you know. They would go to graveyards and pose by old stones. Both Kelly and Ginny favored the dark clothing and music of the goth scene. It's a big thing in Chakawinity. Uh, there was a lot of the teenagers who were into the black clothes and the black makeup and the piercings and stuff like that. Jenny Lynn liked black pants, and she was not an obese person, but she always wore a hoodie because she was self-conscious, and it was usually always a dark hoodie. One thing the girls don't share is a focus on academics. While Ginny's top marks in high school propelled her onto college, Kelly struggled through her senior year. She was really smart. She did real good in school up until the 12th grade. But I think when you get hooked up with the wrong people, you just get a sense of things like that don't matter anymore. Kelly's mother, Denise, didn't approve of her daughter's new boyfriend, Irvin Williams, whom Kelly began dating the summer before Jenny went off to college. He had a pretty bad reputation. I think she was drawn to that, you know, the bad boy image. Aren't we all as teenage girls? As summer turned to fall, Kelly tried to complete 12th grade for the second time, but failed. She was skipping school a lot and wasn't working towards graduating at all. Her grades started to get really bad and she just wasn't putting forth any effort. And she stayed in school through the whole 12th grade, knowing that she was not going to pass. After Kelly flunked out, she moved in with Irvin and his family. Then, that winter, the couple suddenly packed up and moved to the Brownsville, Texas area near the Mexican border. Now that the semester's over, Ginny Wood tells her mother that she wants to spend her spring break driving down to Brownsville to see her old friend Kelly. She told me that Irvin and Kelly were down there and they had gotten jobs. I think she told me that Irvin was doing maintenance in a hotel and maybe Kelly was working at the hotel as well. And she was just going to go down there and visit them. Ginny packs her bags, looking forward to her big trip. She brings along her social security card and a copy of her birth certificate, so she has the option of crossing the border into Mexico with her friends. She leaves Appalachian State on Thursday and sets off alone on the epic 1,400-mile journey through the Deep South and around the Gulf of Mexico. Jenny Lynn has always had a level head. I, I wasn't concerned. I didn't see her doing anything crazy. On Friday around noon, Ginny calls her mother to say that she's arrived in Brownsville and has met up with Kelly. They were always short conversations. Mom, I'm here. I'm doing all right. You know, the teenage thing. Don't bother me. I'm doing okay. Then on Saturday night, Tammy gets to thinking about Ginny and decides to see how she's doing. 
So I called and she said, Mom, we're watching a movie, I'll call you later. And whether they were or what they were doing, I don't know. Tammy waits up that night, hoping that Ginny will call back, but the phone never rings. The next day, Tammy tries to call Ginny again, but gets her voicemail. She isn't worried though. Maybe the girls went to the market across the border in Mexico. I thought they were gonna go down there and do some shopping, because a lot of people do that, or go to the beach or do something. And I kept calling and I would think, well, maybe she's just out of range, you know. Over the next few days, Tammy keeps trying Ginny's cell phone. Tammy was very hopeful that it was a lack of communication, maybe cell phone failure, something like that. I called her cell phone at least 10 or 15 times, leaving message after message. Then became that point where it wouldn't take any more messages, you know, and that was, that was probably the point when I realized that, that there was something definitely wrong here. During a spring break road trip to Texas, 19-year-old college student Ginny Wood vanishes. Her mother, Tammy, is baffled. This was a surprise to me. I didn't expect it. If I had had any notion that she was going to not come back or disappear, I would have done something where she wouldn't have gone. After leaving messages for over a week and getting no response, Tammy's concern grows. I kept calling and kept calling and, you know, I would just say, Jenny, I haven't heard from you. I miss you. Uh, let me hear from you. I want to know you're okay. Friday rolled around and I still hadn't heard from her. Saturday came, Sunday came, and I knew she wasn't back at school. Tammy becomes truly alarmed when the first day of classes after spring break comes and goes with no word from Jenny. I became very worried, and I, I fretted, and I didn't know what to do. I just kept calling. Still hoping for the best, Tammy calls Ginny's best friend Kelly's mother, who also lives in Chacoinity. Ginny's mom is calling me at work, asking me, have I heard from Ginny or heard from Kelly? And I said, no, I hadn't heard from either one of them. Denise tells Tammy that she didn't even know Ginny and Kelly had planned a visit. Now panic-stricken, Tammy turns to the Beaufort County Sheriff's Department and files a missing persons report. I was tormented by it. I couldn't get in touch with her. That Wednesday when I did file the, the report, it's just kind of like everything just fell apart, you know. You have a, a mother who knows that her daughter should have come back at the end of spring break. Without a doubt, Tammy believes that Virginia planned on coming home. I cried and cried, you know. I thought the worst. And then there's people telling me all these bad things that happened to people in Mexico, prostitute trafficking and girls. I mean, I just, I heard every possibly bad thing that could happen. Seeking insight into Ginny's thoughts and feelings, investigators seize her computer and find two very provocative files. One was to Kelly, explaining how she missed her, how she missed their time they spent together, and that the distance between them made her sad. She also had a file in there uh, regarding a boyfriend that she had recently broke up with and that she was depressed and sad. She did make mention of 
killing herself. Ginny was reeling from the end of a short fling with Irvin Williams' brother, Hubert, as well as an earlier breakup. According to her mother, her thoughts turned to suicide. She just was overwhelmed with the rejection of two different guys within a, a, a matter of, you know, a few months. Tammy says that despite Ginny's writings about taking her own life, she is convinced that her daughter's spirits had lifted by the time she left for spring break. She had been rejected, but, you know, that's life. You, you learn to deal with it and you go on, and she would have done the same. Beaufort County investigators agree with Ginny's mother. Her thoughts in the computer were one thing, but her actions were another. I think she was very excited about spending time with Kelly, and I think she was excited about spring break and going to Texas and traveling. In urgent need of answers regarding Ginny's trip, police trace activity on her cell phone, beginning with the night she last spoke to her mother. We know that on March 10th, the cell phone that Virginia had was used right at the Brownsville, Texas border in Mexico. Then, for the next four days, there are incoming and outgoing calls traced to cell towers in several Mexican cities. The last time it was used was March 14th, and that was in Monterey, Mexico. But the way cell phone towers are set up, you might be in one location, but you're closer to a tower in another city. So therefore, it appears that you were in this area when you really weren't. So to say that they were in any particular city in Mexico is really hard to do when you're running off a cell phone bill. So the phone records don't give police anything solid regarding Ginny's location. Then a tantalizing clue surfaces. Investigators reviewing Ginny's financial records see a recent purchase on the credit card she borrowed from her mother. We had a last transaction on the credit card for a grocery store uh, in Mexico, uh, in Matamoros. Uh, the name of the grocery store was uh, Soriana. Matamoros is the sister city to Brownsville, Texas, just across the Mexican border. There was only one credit card charge recorded for $24 and change. That was the only time that credit card was used during this entire spring break vacation. She never used it anywhere within the U.S., and she never used it again in Mexico. Both the cell phone records and credit card indicate that Ginny did indeed cross the border. We felt like we definitely needed to focus our search in Mexico, and that's exactly what we did. I was put in touch with someone at the U.S. Consulate's office in Mexico that handles any U.S. citizen having been arrested, hospitalized, things of that nature, they're notified. They immediately checked to see if any of the three names appeared on any of their information. According to the consulates, there is no record of Ginny, Kelly, or Kelly's boyfriend Irvin in Mexican jails or hospitals. It's starting to look like Ginny may not be the only one missing. Despite numerous attempts, Kelly's mother Denise is still unable to reach her daughter. I don't know what happened to her telephone, but the number was dead. And the numbers that she had called me from and the number that she gave me to get in touch with her weren't working. Nobody would answer. Next, police attempt to trace both Ginny and Irvin's cars 
through their vehicle identification numbers and license plates. I contacted Brownsville police to make them aware of the three persons we were looking for, as well as the vehicles involved. We also reached out to Border Patrol to see if they had any documentation or records of them crossing the border near Brownsville, Texas. Neither Brownsville police nor the Border Patrol has any record of contact with the three kids or their vehicles. The potential danger of travel into Mexico brings up fresh worries for family and investigators. Thousands of people are reported missing there each year. There are so many things that could have happened to them. Once you cross into Mexico, you've crossed into the unknown. We have no jurisdiction there. That's a source country for a lot of the narcotics that we have here in the U.S. Drug wars along the Texas-Mexico border have escalated over the years, sometimes making the towns on both sides of the border dangerous places to live and visit. You know, every time I see that stuff that's happened along the border, I, I just worry. With the news you hear about the violence in Mexico, it really makes you start to worry about the possibilities about what happened to Virginia, Kelly, and Irvin. Investigators don't know anything for certain after Ginny left her college dorm in Boone County. This wasn't a girl who was kidnapped from a parking lot. This is a girl who went on her own on vacation. And we don't know where between her trip from Boone, North Carolina, to Brownsville, Texas, that she went missing. As far as investigators can tell, Ginny Wood, Kelly Gaskins, and Irvin Williams have simply vanished. How does three individuals fall off the face of the earth all together, all at the same time, and nobody know anything? That's the most bizarre thing about this case. It's just crazy. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 19-year-old Ginny Wood has been missing for almost two weeks. It wasn't something she'd ever done before, you know. It wasn't like she was a runaway kid. Both her mother, Tammy, and investigators desperately tried to trace Ginny's last movements in southern Texas and Mexico. We had an open communication. You know, if everything was okay, I think she would contact me and say, Mom, I'm all right. Down in Brownsville, Texas, Ginny's best friend, Kelly, also appears to be missing. Her mother, Denise Wilson, becomes frantic. I went into a total state of panic. I knew then something was really wrong. Denise calls the Beaufort County Sheriff's Office, but they tell her Kelly can't be registered as a missing person. In August of 2006, seven months before she and Ginny disappeared, Kelly was placed on probation for a misdemeanor drug offense. She did get in trouble with the law. Uh, She had a simple possession of marijuana. She went to court and they put her on probation. It's the first time she'd ever been in trouble. Kelly was given a suspended sentence and 36 months probation. But when she left Beaufort County with Irvin Williams five months later, she violated that probation and became a fugitive. She got mixed up with a bad crowd. And I'm not saying she was perfect by any means. She was a teenager, you know. They're all looking for trouble. But I think she found more trouble than she could handle. Denise says her relationship with her daughter changed after Kelly started dating Irvin during her senior year of high school. We got along pretty good. We were real close a year or so earlier. But when she met Irvin and started seeing him, we grew further and further apart. They were, you know, drinking and smoking pot and I don't know what else. When I would try to fix the situation, it made it worse. She would leave and go stay with one of her friends. I had a hard time with her. She got kind of hard to handle. Around Christmas time, Denise gives her daughter an ultimatum. 
I did have rules in my house. If you're going to live with me, you're going to live by my rules. And uh, I don't think she cared too much for it. So Kelly goes to live with her friend Jenny and her family. She told us that she got kicked out of her house. I felt that she needed to finish school. That was my whole reason I let her come here. Kelly spends about six months living with the woods. According to Jenny's mother, the two teenage girls are the closest of friends. They were together all the time. They would sit up there in that room at nighttime for hours. They watched movies, and they watched awful movies. Bloody, gory movies, scary movies. Anything scary, they liked that stuff. While Tammy was happy to help out her daughter's best friend, she says she wasn't always thrilled to have Kelly under her roof. She never talked to me much, but she was nice. I mean, she wasn't an unpleasant person. She just was quiet and secretive. It would be a, a good description of Kelly. Tammy worries that Kelly is a bad influence on her daughter. I found her to be manipulative with Jenny. And I'm not sure what was going on between the two of them or why Kelly would have any control over Jenny, but she did. Then, in the summer of 2006, Kelly moves back home. But according to her mother, tension within the family continues, especially over Kelly's relationship with Irvin Williams. The more she saw him, the worse she got. She just didn't have any ambition anymore. She just wanted to spend time with him. Against her mother's wishes, Kelly moves in with Irvin and his family. Over the weeks that follow, Denise sees less and less of her daughter. After she'd been staying with Irvin for a while, it was harder and harder for me to get in contact with her. And I worried a lot about that because I thought he was pretty controlling. After a couple of weeks pass with no contact, Denise gets a startling phone call from Kelly. She called me on the 18th of January and told me that she was in Matamoros, Mexico. I was very shocked. I had no idea that they had went down there, that they had went anywhere out of the state. I was a little flipped out about it all because, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh my God, that's a dangerous place down there. You know, you don't need to be there. And Kelly confesses to her mother that life in Mexico wasn't everything she was hoping for. She told me that things were not the way she thought they would be. All the streets were dirt. She just didn't picture it being like that and the houses being the way they were. Denise tries to persuade her daughter to return home to North Carolina. I offered to send her a bus ticket and I offered to go get her, but no, she was gonna stay, you know, stick it out. As police look into the backgrounds of Ginny's two presumed companions, they realize that they know Kelly's boyfriend, Irvin Williams, well. When Kelly and Irvin skipped town back in January of 2007, he was in serious trouble with the law in Beaufort County. Irvin is wanted in connection with felony charges of arson and assault, allegedly committed with his father 18 months earlier. 2005, Irvin and his father visited an acquaintance of theirs in Blunts Creek uh, here in Beaufort County. A confrontation occurred, which led to Irvin pointing a shotgun at a resident, which in turn led to the home being set on fire. According to law enforcement, Irvin was also charged with felony cocaine possession, 
and his father was a known drug user. The person that they were visiting has a well-documented criminal history for uh, narcotics dealing. We could not say at this point that uh, it was a drug transaction, but of course, with the history of those involved, there's some speculation that that may have been a contributing factor. Two days before a hearing on the crimes, Irvin's father commits suicide, leaving his son to stand for the charges. Alone at age 21, Irvin instead opts for a life on the run. The case finally came to Superior Court and was scheduled for a hearing on January the 8th. He decided on January 6th that he wanted to leave the county, the state, and it appears the country. By all accounts, both Kelly and Ginny knew about Irvin's past, but their families are alarmed that the girls are traveling with an allegedly violent person. Captain Watson told me that, you know, he was a very dangerous person, that he would not trust him at all. You know, it's upsetting that your child's with someone like this, that it would even be hanging around with someone like this. Irvin was uh, bad news. There's no getting around it. I've never heard anything good said about him. For whatever reason, I guess because she was in love with him, she felt like it was her duty to go with him. I don't think she thought things through. I don't think she realized just what she was getting into. Investigators soon discover another surprising angle to the story. They learn that when Irvin and Kelly left for Mexico in January, they weren't alone. Irvin's sister and his younger brother, Hubert, drove south with them as far as Florida. At that point, Irvin made an unexpected announcement. Irvin made it very clear that they were not going to be coming back. Once we get across the border, we're staying, we're not coming back. Frightened at the idea of never seeing home again, Hubert and his sister took a bus back to Chacoinity, while Irvin and Kelly continued on their journey, presumably to Mexico. We've interviewed Hubert several times during the investigation of Virginia's case. He's always indicated to us that he does not know his brother's exact location and had not had conversations with his brother since he left the country. Tragically, nine months after he returned to Beaufort County, Hubert Williams took his own life. According to investigators, his suicide bears no relation to the disappearance of Ginny, Kelly, or Irvin. But now, two weeks into their investigation, police find themselves at a loss with no real evidence and no leads. Right now, the sky's the limit as far as the possibilities. There's just too many unknowns when you cross over into Mexico um, for us to be able to say that we have a solid theory. There is a chance that Irvin Williams could be a victim in all of this as well. There's a chance that all three of these individuals have fell victim to foul play. Further confounding the investigation is the fact that Kelly and Irvin may still be on the run. When you're dealing with people who are wanted and are trying to avoid capture, of course, that, that complicates the investigation because these are people who do not want to be found. Three weeks after the disappearance of 19-year-old Ginny Wood, investigators recognize that her two companions, Kelly Gaskins and Irvin Williams, are fugitives from the law. That alone puts a twist in the investigation. The people that we believe Virginia was with when she uh, left the country don't want to be found. Irvin is on the run from felony charges of arson and assault. 
Ginny's mother believes that he might be using sympathy to manipulate the two girls into staying with him. Well, his dad's no longer around, so he probably made it appear to the girls, you know, that his dad did this, but he happened to be there, but he's going to be the fall guy. And so you got two teenage girls, and they're, and they're feeling sorry for him, you know. I can see that happening. Then, new information surfaces that could validate Tammy's worst fears about Irvin. One of Kelly's friends tells her mother, Denise, that she heard a disturbing story involving Kelly, Irvin, and the Mexican drug trade. They had said that they were going to go down there and, and sell drugs, and I don't know if that was meant as a joke or if, if Kelly had actually said that. I can't imagine going down there and thinking you're going to step on some drug dealer's toes. That could lead really bad places. Because of Irvin's prior drug charges in Beaufort County, investigators can't rule out that he continued illegal activities in Mexico. Our concern is that if he's gone to Mexico and done those type of activities, he may have been punished very severely. You know, there's a potential there that uh, he could have lost his life or, you know, anybody that was with him could have lost their life. But they're unable to build the drug dealing tip into a viable lead. The investigation into Ginny's disappearance is also hamstrung by the vast area she covered in her travels. It's frustrating because you're limited as to what you can do as a law enforcement officer, especially when you have multi-jurisdictions. We had North Carolina. We had Brownsville, Texas. We had Mexico. And any state that they crossed into between here in Texas and Mexico. And if the three kids did cross the border from Brownsville to Matamoros, Mexico, North Carolina law enforcement clearly has no jurisdiction. The story kind of plays out where they've entered a no man's land. When you're dealing with Mexico, yeah, it's a whole different ballgame. We're not dealing with agencies or organizations that operate under the same policies and procedures that we do. It's literally a different world. Ginny's mother, Tammy, is both saddened and confused by her daughter's sudden disappearance. To her, Ginny's behavior is totally out of character. Either she was getting pressure, or I, I don't know. I can't imagine why she wouldn't come back. She had a bright future ahead of her. As the weeks wear on and Ginny doesn't return, Tammy is forced to confront the fact that her daughter may be gone forever. I was devastated. I cried for days, you know, so. But the tears are, um, I don't cry as much anymore. Tammy's distress is aggravated by the lack of movement in the investigation. Across states, across countries, it was tough, and I don't think the Beaufort County Sheriff's Department knew how to handle it. Tammy decides to take matters into her own hands. She tracks down a Houston-based attorney, Gilbert Arizolo, who has helped out in the past on missing persons cases along the Texas border with Mexico. I've never met Jeannie, obviously, nor Kelly, nor Irvin, but you know, I'd like to, I'd like to know what happened to them. As a Mexican national who grew up nearby, Gilbert is well-suited to investigate in and around Matamoros. I knew the location, I was comfortable with that surrounding. And I also knew that someone uh, in their position would not be comfortable uh, in that surrounding or uh, be able to move around effectively to try to uh, gather information. 
Gilbert and his brother put together a missing persons poster with the Spanish language description of both Jenny and Kelly, as well as photos of both girls. And the poster also had a note at the bottom, and it was just basically saying something to the effect that, Jeannie, your family loves you, they want to find you. He also offers a $500 reward for information. $500 is not a whole lot here, but it's two months' pay for your average Mexican citizen. And so, you know, it, it, it has some significance. Gilbert and his brother post the flyers all over Brownsville. Then, they cross the border and do the same in Matamoros. I don't have any formal training in investigations, but I've never seen a good substitute for actual legwork. And I believe that if you want to find someone, you got to have a picture and you got to do legwork. We would stop people on the street, we would show them these pictures, we would put up these posters, and invariably people, you know, see you putting up a poster and you ask them, you know, have you seen these people? Gilbert has one solid clue that he hopes could lead him to Kelly and Irvin, or at least to people who might know them. Part of the lead that we had was that Kelly was working as a maid at the Fontana Inn in Matamoros, and that Irvin was doing work for them uh, as like a maintenance person. But when I went to that hotel, the people claimed they had never seen them before. And I stayed there for a while uh, and did not see them in the area. Gilbert finds it hard to believe that no one at the Fontana Inn knows Kelly or Irvin. It seems to me that if someone came up with his uh, lead for, you know, a tiny little motel in Matamoros and the place actually exists, that there was something to it. Sadly, all of the searches around Brownsville and Matamoros end in frustration. I was fairly certain that we would get something. There was just nothing. It's very, very disappointing. Now, Tammy and Gilbert think harder about something that Ginny's college friends had said. Ginny mentioned going to Cancun, Mexico with her friends and living down there. After we, I went to Matamoros and came up empty, I suggested to Tammy that we might want to explore the Cancun option. Cancun is at the end of the Yucatan Peninsula, a 1,500-mile drive from Matamoros. I was like, Cancun, and I looked at what they had map-quested, and I was like, oh my gosh, I just don't see how they could possibly do that. Gilbert knows that road travel into the interior of Mexico is nothing like an American road trip. You've got three American kids traveling with limited resources and what appeared to me limited experience uh, with Mexico. And so they're not going to be very well versed in, in how to get around in Mexico. The land route from Matamoros is considered exceedingly dangerous due to the ongoing drug wars. In Mexico, you will not see any military personnel without a machine gun you can deduce that if there's that type of presence, that there's a reason for it. Despite her fears, Tammy and Gilbert prepare to fly to Cancun, Mexico to continue their search for Ginny. I'm going to find the answers one way or the other. I'm more of a leader than a follower. I just have always done that. It's just me. This is my child. This is my youngest child. She's my baby. I have to find her. 
So I have to keep looking, and I do. Ginny Wood has been missing for almost two months. Now, her mother, Tammy Wood, and Gilbert Arizolo, an attorney who investigates missing persons cases, fly down to Cancun, Mexico to search for Ginny and her friends, Kelly Gaskins and Irvin Williams. I thought it was far-fetched that they could go down there because it seemed so far, but they talked about going to Cancun. So I thought, well, I'll go look. As a first step, Gilbert and Tammy scour the resort beaches and restaurants. We distributed flyers, uh, put up posters on light posts, and we did quite a bit of walking also. That whole strip and, you know, the first set of, of beaches, we just walked. Off the tourist trail, Tammy is shocked to see the challenges three young Americans would face living in Cancun. That little part downtown was okay, but once you got past that, then it was, it was something else. Tammy sees that many local residents of Cancun live in abject poverty. It was just a different world from what I was used to. It was scary. They go to the police station and describe the case to local authorities, but no one there knows anything about Ginny, Kelly, or Irvin. That's basically where we, you know, ended the possibility of our search. As the time wore, uh, I started to become, you know, more concerned that Jeannie and Kelly had fallen victims to someone. Back in Chacoinity, North Carolina, a lead rivets the attention of Ginny's mother, Tammy. Four months after Ginny and Kelly disappeared, several tips come into the sheriff's office that Irvin Williams has been seen in town. A person would call in and say, I saw Irvin Williams driving a white truck with Texas plates. Tammy Wood is convinced that Irvin has been back in town. According to a friend of hers, he's made more than one visit to a local convenience store. He comes and goes as he pleases. Mike told me the last time he came that he's changed his look so much that they probably wouldn't recognize him. He just, I think, periodically comes back to Beaufort County and sees his mom and then goes back to wherever it is. But sheriff's office investigators say they follow up on each reported sighting, and to date, none can be confirmed to be Irvin. We've actually searched uh, Irvin's home here in Beaufort County, where he lived with his mother multiple times. We went to the convenience stores, looked at the video surveillance tape from that period of time, and never were able to locate a single vehicle with Texas plates on it, as the tip was, was mentioning. And I believe with the uh, amount of time that he's facing as a result of his charges, I find it unlikely that he would return to Beaufort County. The sheriff's office hasn't had a constructive lead in the case for years. Their investigation is at a dead end. Somebody somewhere knows what's happened to him. If it's in the United States, I think we stand a really good chance of finding out. If it happened in Mexico, not so good. The fact that Ginny and Kelly have not contacted their parents in the last four years is of grave concern to investigators. You would really think that somehow they would reach out to let someone know that, hey, I'm okay. Don't want to tell you where I'm at. Don't want to come back, but don't worry about me. You know, it really makes you wonder and worry about all those possibilities that includes them dying. 
Um, you know, and that is unfortunately just something we can't rule out right now. I'm never going to be able to just stop thinking about this case until there is some sort of resolution. Attorney Gilbert Arizolo can't let go of the case either, so he is now offering a more substantial reward for information. I don't like having unfinished business out there. I'd be willing to go uh, into Mexico and meet with someone who I thought had reliable information uh, and pay them $10,000 in cash uh, so I could close this book. These parents deserve to know what happened to their kids. As the months and years pass, Ginny and Kelly's mothers struggle to make sense of what could have happened to their daughters. For us to have gone this long without hearing anything, either, you know, they've won the lottery somewhere or they're not, they're not alive. And that's, you know, you hate to say that. You hate to come right out and say it. I tried to be positive for a long time and think that, you know, that's totally out of the question. But I think after a while, you have to be honest with yourself. I'm a realist, and I think that's the reality of it. Ginny's mother, Tammy, gets through the day by hoping for the best. I have to think that she's alive out there and doing something that she wants to do. That's how I go through every day and keep smiling. I can't think about all the morbid things that could have happened to her. You always ask why, but we're put on this earth to live, so we all have to get up each morning and, and do the best we can. And that's what I do. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.